You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and we're checking into room number one at the Bates Motel to discuss the first modern horror film, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. You no trouble. Me, Fifth Element. Supreme being. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Podcast. We're your host. I'm Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, Mr. Jeremy Benson. Good morning. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that isn't. It isn't tonight, is it? Yeah. Th- we're actually this recording our first daytime day. podcast. A little into the behind the scenes. We're in daylight today. I'm a little, a little bewildered. And that's Jared Callen. How you doing, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> doing good. You're not gonna. Uh, we're, we're like a bunch of vampires. We're out in sunlight. So daylight. <laughs> This is our first sober podcast. <laughs> oh, Here's that's little... true. We may have to fix that. Get a little yeah. lunchtime wine in. I think when we take the trailer, I'm gonna have to have a glass of wine. But until then, coffee. Ooh, I, man, I can't wait to watch this trailer. I love the trailer for this movie. I haven't watched it because I wanted to watch it with you guys. Oh, apparently there's different ones. It's a treat. We're gonna do the uh, the one with Alfred Hitchcock talking about the film. Okay, it's long, but I, I, it's worth it. That's what I go for every day. It's long, but it's worth it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Get in for the ride. Just take as much as you can and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Sober puns. Oh. oh, sober puns. Man, here we go. First time we're talking about Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, welcome to March Madness. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. This is also kicking off March Madness. Yeah. Yeah. Totally forgot about that. Talking about movies with crazy people all yes. this month or crazy shenanigans. It's crazy people. Yeah, is it all crazy people? It's all crazy people. It's all crazy people, yeah. right? Okay. I was just proud when I when I searched movies about madness that our movie actually showed up in the list. Of course it does. <laughs> oh, he, does he it even, really? Yeah, I sent you the list. Oh, man. He even talks about madness, you know, in this. He says, he says the word mad. So I was like, that's a good opener. I don't know what that has to do with what I just said. But <laughs> it goes along with what you're saying because it makes a list because he's got a crazy person and a mad person. No, he was saying that uh, Girl in Woods made the list. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant this movie. No. 
that's where the disconnect was. Yeah, it happens. My bad. Man, all this coffee. Mm. <laughs> I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying that it surprised me that somebody knew about Girl and Woods. Oh, so okay, now I'm with you. That's badass, man. Congratulations. Yeah, that, making a list of anything is is good, unless it's uh, worst movies to watch ever. You know, that that'd be a bad list. But hey, at least you're on a list. Hey, man, just don't ever type that in because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> Have you guys done Girl in Woods on here yet? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, yeah, we haven't really... Be kind uh, of meta. It'd be very interesting. It'd be long. We talked about it. We talked about doing sort of a look back, and we, then we just stopped talking It'd about like it. be like a really weird DVD commentary. Like, I, You know, I think it would end up probably turning into, uh, you know, like a, a bitch fest, eventually. You know, I'm pretty sure it, it would probably, you know, it would probably be very car- uh, cathartic, but it would probably never get released. <laughs> be like, let's not release that, but that was good. We talked about doing it when, <laughs> when they put the DVD wow. out. We talked about doing because, you know, we had offered a bunch of extras and long story, but we thought we talked about doing a podcast as the commentary, right? That people could, you know, just grab the podcast. But we're lazy. <laughs> what I was gonna say. It'll come on the 20th anniversary DVD. <laughs> Man, I don't know if I'm going to make it that long, brother. We may have to move that up to the 10th anniversary. Come on now. Ooh, 20 years. Damn. Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Hitch for short. Yeah, we can call him Hitch. Hitch without the cock. He's quoted as saying that. I'm not just making that up. Guys, this is the uh, this is start of a lot of things here. The first modern horror film. I would consider this the first modern horror film. I know some people don't. Who don't? Who doesn't? Uh, well, I actually have a book over there that's called uh, the Modern Horror Film, and they started with uh, one of the Hammer films. I think it was uh, Curse of Frankenstein, is what they they started with. But that, you know, to me, that's still a gothic monster. Yeah, it's not really what I would you know modern horror. I'm using air quotes there. Yeah, um, <laughs> we could we could hear it in your voice. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard the italics. <laughs> But uh, this movie, it was before Rosemary's Baby. It was for uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, the only other film that maybe you could throw that title to is maybe Peeping Tom, which came out the same year. Similar subject matter. And this is the beginning of a lot of things. I, I can't think of one before this where the evil force in the movie is not some, you know, monster, alien, demon. <laughs> a radioactive fiend or, or right. giant monster. Giant ant. <laughs> It's yeah. the boy next door. The crazy boy next door. Ooh. I mean, I can't think of one that, you know, plants that seed of danger could be anywhere. I love that cop's line of, um, there's more than one hotel just to be safe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about the beginning where like where he yeah. finds her? Like, he totally, like, plants a seed in her brain that you need to pull over and find a place to stay. Yeah. If he, if he wouldn't have said that, she would have pulled over on the side of the road again, fell asleep, and then made it to uh, Sam Loomis's house. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It, it, it seems like the rain is, is a constant, like, it's constantly holding her back. You Interesting. Know? The, the entire... T- the, wow. uh, there's, there's a All lot the... of stuff right there we're gonna, we're, we need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and let's, yeah, bring, yeah. bring it up, man. Are we getting into spoilers or... Man, I don't think you can spoil this movie anymore. You know, just with all the sequels and Marianne remakes dies. and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it seems like, you know, in the shower scene is probably one of the most famous scenes in cinema history. Like everybody talks about that. Okay, well we'll stop right here before we get too far into spoilers. 
You saw it for the first time last night. Yes. Were you surprised at where the shower scene happened? Um, about halfway through the movie. Yeah. It. Um, I just wanted a yes or no because we were still before spoilers. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. It was interesting. It was interesting how it kind of like shifted. It's kind of like it's kind of like we're sticking with this character. We're building up all this stuff with this character, and then the movie just kind of shifts. And then, but I think that's kind of cool though because it allows you to like kind of like. Get to know this person. You fall in love with them a little bit, you know, so it kind of makes you care about it a little more. I think it adds a little more weight on the front end. When the rest of the movie happens, it makes you feel with the character a little more because you got to get to know her. Yeah. Yeah. I like this, like, flip better than, like, when it happened in From Dust Till Dawn, where I feel like that that's a, a real big tonal shift there. And this one, like, with the well, that's music... That's like a complete genre flip. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's major. <laughs> like, like if... This kind of stays in the same genre. It stays... It goes from crime to, like, a little bit more of a, a straight-up horror film, but, you know. It's kind of like if you would have stepped into the Bates house and you stepped through a dimension or something, you know? <laughs> that's where it would have got Rod weird. Sterling just comes out. You have in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> but I think... This is Hitchcock! What, what the, the fuck? Wait, what the fuck's happening? I think, I think Hitchcock did it in a really subtle and interesting way like if you look at the structure of what he's what he's showing you on screen right like movie starts scenes are dissolving like okay we're next scene dissolve next scene but when she's in the car and it starts going from day to night and it's on her and you start for the first time you're hearing her thoughts oh, I yeah love i love that now we're cutting she's unaware of time right. she's lost in her own head and each time it cuts it's getting darker and we're getting closer to her focus more and more into her and you're shifting from this here's our narrative to this is our character right and then he's also playing with reflections if you look like she's constantly in reflections but then when she meets norman he refuses to let you see his reflection and you can tell it's blocked that way interesting because she's standing and and you can see her reflection here he walks in front of the camera to block his reflection so you only get it for a second interesting um no i know i never noticed that before man i I didn't notice the blocking but i totally noticed her like in mirrors a lot but but uh back to that car scene uh after she like sees her boss and like he's like crossing the street oh yeah and it gives her this really weird look he's like bitch where you going with that money Uh, (laughs) um i thought he was sick Oh, uh, you don't look sick to me. Yeah, yeah. Driving around. Well, she's going to the store to get some Kleenex. Um, chicken noodle <clears> soup. <laughs> uh, it's Campbell's condensed chicken noodle soup. But um, so it cuts from there. The, the the guy walks across the street, and she's like, "Oh shit, I've been seen." And then the next cut is like she's driving out of town. It is that a composite shot? Because like the sky is like static. Are you you're talking about the the shot with the car? The car driving off. It's a really interesting interview, but if you, if you guys noticed this at all, it's like it's like it's like they took a, I don't know how they would have done this back then, but like it, it's like it's like the sky is like a um, is a composite. It's like it's like a still image, and then the car is driving underneath it, and it's like real dark kind of looking. Maybe the uh, I never noticed that, but they could have been like trying to just you know block out, get rid of something in the sky, right? And, or, yeah, or, 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 they're, or like you know, like Jeremy said, they're showing the passage of time, like uh, with getting darker. So maybe that maybe they shot the, the plate of the car and then they darkened the sky somehow, and then like, but it's really weird. It, it has no motion to it. You know how when you're editing and you put a still frame in and it doesn't have any like um, grain on it, yeah, and it stands out. 
uh, so, so if you add a little noise to it, it actually kind of blends a little better. It just feels like it pops on it for me in the HD. Huh. Like, no, I, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't notice that. We'll, we'll pull up the DVD later and look at it, and I'll show you. But yeah, it's really weird. This is something that, that kind of caught my eye that I, I went back and looked. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, that, 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 that's cool, man. I, I love the little driving stuff. Uh, well, it's really cool. Like, and, and then also, is, is, the, is the rearview mirror a composite? So when she's driving and she, she's no. like, she kind of looks up and, and you see the, the, the rearview mirror, it's kind of weird. Like a, it's got like a little line around. I don't know. If I, that's don't like think a, that, I don't think that's a composite. I think they actually shot that. Well, I, I think the driving shots are they're um they're rear, they're reverse projection, right? Yeah. So how they're so all processed? Yeah, yeah. So how are they doing that with the with the mirror? It it looks like a composite. I don't know. I just wonder how they were doing this back in the in nineteen. I don't know, dude. I, you know Hitchcock, man. I mean, because you would project it and then shoot the mirror that's seeing the projection. Well, we're right into it though. Like yeah, like it's even so, though, yeah, but like the opening shot of the movie, like how did they do that? You know, like, oh, like to going, get it into the building. Yeah, when we yeah. first are, yeah, getting introduced to the hotel. It's got to only be like the second ah, floor uh, of that building, and then they they've got like a uh, a crane on their they're dollying in on a crane, maybe. Yeah, hey, I didn't get I didn't get as sucked into the technical aspects oh. this time. I got totally <laughs> in enwrapped in what he was how he was telling the story. It was just because like even that scene. Okay, you start the movie, you're doing this little voyeur thing. You're sneaking into a hotel, right? Right through yeah. the window. And then, at first... Very risque for the time. And at first, it seems like it's a little bit more risque than than it turns out to be. Like, at first, it seems like this They're is getting a... ready to get it on. This <laughs> is a, an adulterous affair. Right. But then, you you know, you, you learn that he he's he's divorced, and he just doesn't have any money, and... He's got a lot of debt from his... What was it, dad? His dad, and he's got to pay alimony... But you start it with that shot through the, you know, you're going through the window. You're doing this voyeuristic They do a cool little iris thing. pull. And oh, yeah, when it hangs. Yeah, it's cool. And I even love the the um, the color shift in her, her costume. Like, she's in a white bra at this point, and then she starts talking about, we need to, you know, we eat dinner at again. my house. Yeah. And she still hasn't, I guess the word would be sinned yet. But then later, she hasn't committed her crime. She yeah. after she's stolen the money, and we're again looking through the peephole with Norman. Right now, she's in black. And oh yeah, was she wearing black lingerie? Yeah, yeah, she wears black. It's even when she's packing up her bags. Mm-hmm. When you and that's a great shot too. I love how like Hitchcock just communicates in one shot. Like, oh look, Janet Lee's in her bra. She's going to her closet. The money's still on her bed, and there's a suitcase. And it's just all in one. Oh little... no! Actually, I like that scene. Uh, it kind of adds nice tension. That, that he kind of tracks her entire packing. It's kind of like she's like searching. You know, you you feel it. You know, like the the way that that's edited. And there's so many shots in that scene. It's like yep. God. How long did this fucking scene of her packing take? Like there was like it's just like every angle all the way around the room. And she's like she moves to here, moved to here, cut. You know, it's like wow, this is really kind of really intricate. You know, building this tension of her trying to get out. And I, I love the fact that you spend so much time on the money in the movie, and it does not matter oh, fucking I, oh, yeah. at all. I love that, too. It's just like, it's like and it's just gone. It's like, you know, he the, the, like Norman never even sees it. He doesn't give a shit. It's not about the money. And But everybody else is like, where's the fucking money? Like, <laughs> no, what it, money? It, it definitely turns out to be more about the characters. It, yeah, yeah, it is. No, definitely. It's really good. And it's almost two, a MacGuffin, but not quite. I was wondering t- if you'd call it a MacGuffin. With the two, um, the voyeur scenes... It totally felt like, like the first one, you're supposed to feel a little naughty, but in a in a good, all right, we're in a movie, yeah. Yeah. But then when you're looking at it with Norman, 
you're supposed to, you know, your natural inclination is like, he shouldn't be doing that. But right. then as an audience member, you realize you're doing the same thing. Right. <laughs> so he's playing with the audience in every shot in this movie. Oh, yeah. No, he even, play, he even fucks with your goddamn emotions, like making you think like Norman's a good guy cleaning up after his fucking mother. Yeah. I mean, here's a technical thing. It's like, what? Since you, you like technical stuff so much. Oh, yeah. Watch the edit. In the scene where Norman's talking, where Marion and Norman are talking around the stuffed birds. In his oh, parlor. in the parlor? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. You know how normally, like, you shoot a scene, you shoot some coverage, and, like, say you start with a wide shot. You might go back to that wide shot, right? Yeah, if there's movement. Once he changes perspective, he never goes back to the other perspective. Like, he'll cut from these two shots, but when he cuts, starts cutting up and down, yeah, he doesn't go back to the same perspective. I thought it was really weird that, that like, he he pretty much stayed on her face, but then he like opens up and goes kind of wide and, and like low on Norman, and he's mm-hmm. kind of like uh, you know, it's, it's, I know he's like opening up to the giant owl, the overseeing owl, you know, l- looking down on them in the room, and that that kind of becomes that's like what you're really looking at in the frame, you know. So it's kind of a really weird angle back and forth, but you never get that like uh, profile shot of her. It kind of sticks on her face. I don't know. It's like it's interesting well, how. Well, it's he covered. also he also plays there. He at one point when she starts kind of taking charge of the conversation toward the end. Oh yeah. She stands up, so she's taller. And like you're shooting oh, down yeah. on Norman, so she's taller. But he immediately takes control oh, of it again and stands up. Yeah. Well, because he, he gets offended by what she says. If you're you know. if you're subconsciously paying attention to what he's doing, he's he's switching your he, he's almost switching the main character at this point. Like, Which is actually what happens, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, like when you when, you, when I first watched the movie, it feels more like it's uh, Anthony Perkins' character. There is either there for a love interest to have some kind of love triangle. No, or... I'm not saying it's something you're going to catch the first time. I'm no, saying no way. subconsciously yeah. he is switching the main character. Yeah, or you kind of read it almost like it. Maybe he's just there to like point out the flaws in like, her character. I mean, some of these. I mean, some of the stuff I caught watching it this time. I've seen this movie like five times and never even thought about. But yeah, I love those close-up changes, and they're and they happen each one. You you get the uh, a boy's best friend's his mother, and then <laughs> yeah, I love that line. <laughs> the close-ups change again when he starts going into the backstory of his mother, and then the minute she mentions the madhouse. Oh man, that's when you get those really dramatic angles. Oh, that's what I said. Mad. They bring up mad in our first movie. Did, yeah. <laughs> did anybody else catch that he knew a lot about? The insane asylum. It makes me think that he was put in an insane asylum. It makes me think he killed his dad, had a relationship with his mom, and went to an asylum for it. Well, in in the movie, well, they no, talk they, about they, that he, he he like his mother he poisons his mom and and, uh, and her, lover. her lover. Yeah, and and kills her. Yeah. But what happened to his dad? His dad left, right? Or no, he dies and he leaves him the motel, right? But nobody knows how he. Died. No, that's the the stepdad that does that. I guess you don't know what happens to his original dad. Or did they say? He's probably out in the swamp somewhere. <laughs> oh, speaking of the swamp, did, uh, uh, did anybody notice the painting? What in her painting? office, there's a painting of the swamp above her head when she's talking to her boss, and her boss is, like, hitting on her. And No, but... I can keep my mouth shut <laughs> sometimes, awesome, too. I, I did notice that when I she's packing, uh, the shower is open in her bathroom, and it keeps, like, it's always, like, as she crosses, we're kind of sticking, and it's in the background, and we see it a lot. Like, oh, there's so much there's like, like just little like little things like details that. I like, I like that. Like she tells him check out times two forty or something like that. I think that's weird that they give you the Explain time that. in the opening. 
Like they don't have to give you the time. No, I and saw, it's, it's I a actually, specific day too, which is actually, really weird. I looked. I looked this up because um, people have read so much into this. Yeah, and Hitchcock answered it with, "Well, you can read what you want." I just wanted you to realize that this woman just wasted her entire lunch hour with this guy. Oh, I thought oh, she see, that makes sense. She had an extended lunch hour with this guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe they did actually have lunch for the first hour. The next hour, no, but she didn't even minutes. touch her lunch. She bro. didn't touch her sandwich. Yeah, she had a mouthful already. Oh, that's true. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had to make the joke. Uh, but so, what was the, the the time? The checkout time? Explain that. You you said that the two forty. What was well, the significance just, of that? It's a hotel type. Okay. How does she die? Where is she at when she dies? She's in the bathroom. In a hotel. Right. She checks out of a hotel. Oh. Okay. Like, there's lots of little subconscious clues as to where we're going. Right. It's not like he... It's not one of those movies that randomly does something, and then when you go back and watch it, you're going, oh, I think they just made that up. Right. No, it, it's very calculated. Like, even down to the birds... Like, he's got all the um, birds of prey around him, and she's got all the prey around her. Oh, that's funny. I didn't think, yeah, I didn't I catch never, that. never understood why they chose birds, though. I don't know, what, what Hitchcock's obsession with birds, birds is the, the birds is the next movie he's he's gonna make, but. Right. Maybe he was, you yeah. know, he was around these stuffed birds, and he's like, these things are creepy. We need to put these in a movie. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what happened to Hitchcock back in the day? He, Can we get animate by a birds? <laughs> but, um. Apparently he was so like meticulous and had everything planned out that uh, like uh, he, uh, one of the actors asked him, "Well, what's my motivation in this scene?" And he said, "Your paycheck." Now get over there and do what I tell you to do. He, he's <laughs> he's definitely got some some classic lines. Yeah, he's what, got a bunch. What kid was it? He the kid couldn't stand still. Um, I don't remember what movie it is, but apparently a Hitchcock walks over and probably the man down. who knew too much. Leans down and whispers to the kid, if you don't stand still, I'm going to nail your feet to the floor. And then just turns around and walks back. <laughs> Probably blue, like a cigar smoke in his face, too. <sighs> Look here, kid. <laughs> yeah, Hitchcock was a bigger-than-life character. But, you know, what are you going to do? He definitely liked his gimmicks as well. Like, I remember this, this came out. Like, they had the uh, the records that were not... I don't remember, but I... You know, <laughs> Wait, Brian, how old are I you? I was not alive. Uh, <laughs> I was fixed to say, I thought I was the oldest. <laughs> I was. I actually wanted to see if I could find a recording of, of the actual record that played in theater lobbies that were like, you know, 10 minutes to showtime for Psycho. Oh. You cannot enter the theater late. Yeah, that was really interesting to me that people... Like, before this film, you would just go to a movie... And it's already started, and you just go in and sit down, and you catch the last half of the movie. So you're like an asshole kid coming into it's like, hey, what's happened so far? Well, when you like, paid for a mission back in the day, you could stay in the theater until oh, so they you, shut down. Oh, so so you could catch the end of it and then watch the beginning of it. Yeah, that's silly. That's what people used to do. But this but, movie, uh, you know, uh, Hitchcock's like, you must see it from beginning to end or not at all. Yeah, that's really kind of what started the modern. I agree going with that. Habit. That's the way it should be. <laughs> Well, only because that's how you were raised. No, it just makes sense, man. Why would you want to, like, come in in the middle? Like, yeah. I don't know. It seems like once you saw the beginning again, it would be but really boring. But to be boring. fair, you could come like, in. This but now this what if you really die. like this the movie, get... you buy your admission, and you're like, I'm going to watch it again. Oh, that would be badass. You know, dude, if we could just sit there and watch it, you know, multiple times. Oh, yeah, I would like that. Brian would never leave. <laughs> He's like, Dark Knight all day? Okay. Roll it. <laughs> it would save some money. <laughs> yeah, it would. That's probably why theaters. That's don't probably watch. What, yeah, yeah. Because when those people were watching Titanic, you know, thirty times. 
Oh yeah. man, yeah, dude. I okay. I projected that movie, and yes, I man, you would see the same faces a weekend after weekend. And it's a really long movie to sit through multiple takes. Like oh. I just recently rewatched it. I'm gonna. I'm going to take back some of my retro hate for Titanic. Thank you. It's a good movie. It's about time. James Cameron will, always does quality. I, I'm, <laughs> okay, fanboy. No, it's okay. No, I'm fucking with you, dude. It's a great fucking movie. James Cameron's awesome. He is. He. Uh, there was a period where I would I hated Titanic. Is that why? Is that just because of Leo? No, no. I'm actually really like Leo. I love Kate Winslet. Oh man. Mm. Kate Winslet should have made more room on that damn board. If you go back about thirty episodes, you get to hear our uh, you get to hear our Titanic sex scene talk. We 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 dissected that scene one day. I don't remember what episode that was. Uh, I don't (laughs) either. I'll dissect that scene any day. Um, I think our conversation was uh, love versus fucking. Oh, that's right. No, you're right. It was. I I said that was that was love and fucking. You know, you can have both. (laughs) But uh. And and I remember and I okay I remember what I said but like it's basically uh, she she never could reach that moment again you know her her later husband you know she's like you know, they get in the back of a car and she's like trying to steam it up and he she's like you just don't get me <laughs> Rose is like I'm trying to recreate this moment <laughs> Honey, never be that hot again she's like I need I need more he's like you want me to choke you no can we um can we get in a boat and start sinking it. <laughs> That's how I get wet. Honey, this ice cold water is not helping the situation out at all. No, I think just... She's like, I'm going to have to let you go. <laughs> Would it not be hilarious if somebody made a, a Titanic 2? Which is, it, you come to find out, Rose is like the serial killer. Oh. Where she's been killing all these husbands. Can, can we hire Kate Winslet to do this movie? <laughs> would that not be awesome? That would be phenomenal. Oh, man, hold on, guys. I can't fucking breathe. The trailer's like, she's holding on, and she's like, I've got you, and then it just shows a close-up of her hand oh, letting go. No shit, yeah, dude, and her her famous way is drowning motherfuckers. Right. <laughs> Honey, why is the bathtub full why of ice? <laughs> She's she, she, she sharpening some knives. Oh man, maybe they did make a sequel. Maybe that was Shutter Island. Oh, dude, okay, didn't is the, there uh, ice water didn't, in that? Didn't, well, didn't the, the the wife drown the kids in that? Yeah, yeah. I've it's only seen it in the theater. I don't remember much about it, but yeah. Uh, wow, that's pretty much all I remember. Ooh, <laughs> no, I just think you guys broke my funny bone, man. I think, I don't think um, I can laugh anymore. You know, after seeing it when it came out. Talking about Titanic. I'm about to say this movie. <laughs> no, I'm not that old. How old are you? <laughs> we go way back. I've only, I've only got a couple of grays in here now. Um, like I enjoyed it, but never really loved it. Right. And then I think I just sort of created some hate for the movie. Probably, you know, hipster. Well, y'all like it, so I'm going to say it sucks. Right. Um, and then anytime I'd watch it after that, I would just notice all the corny lines because it is full of just corny lines james cameron is not the best writer but no it's a movie made for the masses y'all touche touche yeah. no argument seriously there. though but watching it recently recently with my daughters oh man i bet they loved it seeing them get involved and then just seeing the classic hollywood technique that's playing out through the whole movie and even though the, like there are corny lines the lines are effective no yeah you know 
you never let me go and you know yeah that shit like it's it, that becomes quintessential and classic if you think about the way that older films which actually Gone with, with the wind no, those that, lines are kind of that, fucking that's, corny. that's what i'm getting to and that's actually right. what's interesting about this film because i'd never seen this movie and i was kind of expecting the feeling of an older film i was hoping to bring it back <laughs> yeah and like this uh this movie um <clears throat> Like 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 in Titanic, like you said, there, there's these lines, but they they become like uh, they they feel a nostalgic, like it's an older style film of that era that it was set in, which is kind of cool. Uh, but this movie like really stands out. It actually feels more modern than it is in most like most of the scenes. I agree. Like, like it, yeah, it no. really does. Like when I, this movie, yeah, especially in a time around Norman, right? Like his performance is amazing. He, he doesn't act like uh, like I was expecting. You know, when you when you watch. Um, Oh, uh, what is it? Um, Andy Griffith. You know what I mean? That 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 kind of acting. What? What? For but, real? I'm, saying, I, it's, I'm black and white. You know. You see what I'm okay. saying? Like I, I'd right. never seen this movie, so I wasn't expecting. Sort of some Casablanca, right? And I haven't seen. Well, I haven't there. seen exactly. I haven't seen a lot of like black and white movies, to be honest. And uh, so I was like, you know, uh, I was blown away with how like contemporary it kind of feels and. It kept my attention the entire time. It had great pace, and I was engaged. I was locked into it. I wasn't looking at my phone. I wasn't. I would actually have to pause it to like write a note down. I was like, "Holy shit, hold on a minute!" You know, like <laughs> I was rewinding things and look. I mean, like, dude, yeah, this movie is like. I, I don't know why I haven't seen it before. Like, it was like it surprised me with how good it actually was. Yeah, man. even it's a classic for a reason. It it, it, was, it bumped up in my top ten already. I was even thinking about how even at the beginning it still has that sort of fifties. Well, fifties. Yes. But then closer you get to her getting to the hotel, the more she's getting into her own head, the more the acting starts feeling more natural, like realistic. And then her conversation with Norman is as odd as it is. Right. Feels very natural. It does. Well, the beginning scene with her, Janet Lee, and the Sam character. Right. I forget what that actor's name is. That Uh, dude. John Gavin, I think. No, Um, it's just that dude. (laughs) That guy. He's, He's not very good, man. He's 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 kind of weak in that in that you think scene. So? Yeah, you were just a, you were just like you know you couldn't look past his amazing body with that shirt <laughs> off. You're like, look you at thought he had an amazing body too, huh? Yeah. All right. No, he was ripped. <laughs> I was like, I got fat guy envy. I was like, oh, bro. Oh, dude, look, those actors <laughs> in the fifties. I mean, I don't think there was one that you know looked shabby with their shirts off. I mean, those guys were cut, dude. Yeah, man. Charlton Heston. Fuck mm, yeah, dude. Man. Kurt uh, Douglas. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a diet of cigarettes and, and not, scotch right there. And, not, and these aren't like... <laughs> that's very accurate. Steroided up. Yeah, that's Weird true. Weird looking. No, these no, are man, like just like, naturally tough looking dudes. Yeah. yeah totally. Like, yeah. Like, even man. You think about like a little bit later, even Clint Eastwood and Charles Bronson, they they still had that kind of look. Yeah. yeah even a little... Yeah. What happened in the 80s? And Roids. Stallone. Which is cool because they actually took it... Uh, they, they made uh, Norman this style as well and he's really he's supposed to be like a short fat guy you know kinda. he is in the book yeah so it's it's interesting that uh that they they made him feel like the boy next door you have, know like which is like makes it even creepier have you guys read the uh robert block book psycho? long time ago no. her called name's psycho? mary right uh, yeah yeah i think it is do you think there's any significant i mean this is just something i was thinking of last night and i got pretty deep in my thoughts last night i'll admit <laughs> so he purposely changes her name from Mary to Marion, which mimics almost the same letters as Norman. Well, Norman's mom is uh, Norma. You think he's do- is well, there, is also, he doing anything um, with that? <clears throat> What's the what was the serial killer? This was no. based off uh, Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Edward yeah. Gein. Uh, like Norman Bates. 
Edward Norman Gene Bates. You know, like it's, yeah, it's like it's that. like the same kind of like you know thing a little bit there too. So that kind of plays in. Yeah, Ed Gein has given us uh, Silence of the so Lambs. Much. He's given so much to the world. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And Psycho. Psycho. Uh, House on Haunted Hill, or like the Haunting of Hill House, or whatever. That what? Uh, or what was it? The Haunting. Wasn't it based? Uh, the Haunting is based on a book. I thought they took some things from that though. Shirley, uh, what's her name? Shirley like Jackson. Yeah. I thought that some of it came from Ed Gein as well. Whatever like, so walks, like the, there walks. Are you talking about the TV show or the movie? I'm talking about the, the, the original movie. Oh, the Robert Wise did? No, no I don't did think not. No, that highly disturbed individual. He did give us a lot of villains. You know, you got to take the good with the bad guys. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I just think it's because. You know? Well, I just think it's because it's such a terrifying <clears throat> idea that the guy next door can be this total monster. Yeah, I like that idea. Right, it's, it's one that <laughs> repeats. Yeah, I think that's been ripped off a lot. So John noticed the especially um, in Halloween <laughs> in the car when she's doing the whole thinking about her crime and how you know what the boss would say when he finds out. Oh, I love that. And yeah. then it ends with her looking directly into the camera, smiling. Right, right. she gives a little like smile. I don't, she's not looking in the camera, is she? She's, well, looking, she's, she's looking, looking off, slightly, well, slightly off. off. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost the same setup as when Norman's hearing his mom, don't hit the fly. And then he looks up at the end and does the same smile. Right. Um, so they're both gloating. Yeah. Speaking of that car, did you know that that's the exact same car from Halloween H2O? The exact same car? Yes. That's really badass. It's like she held on to that car. Did she really? Yeah. The, the was car, that really Janet Lee's car? That was the original car with the original license plate and everything. It actually ended up missing. And then it appeared again for that movie. So she had it herself. Man, there, there's a lot of uh, crazy little behind-the-scenes stories. Yeah. With with Psycho and props. and I think Hitchcock's got some disturbing behind-the-scenes stories, too. Really? Well, you know, dude, I don't know, man. There's all these different accounts of, like, Hitchcock's personal life. Behavior towards some of his blonde actresses? Yeah. Like, look, what I know he... Wait, he, what? Yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> Is he part of the Me Too movement as well? Well, okay. Him and Verna Miles, they didn't really get along because he was originally going to cast her in uh, Vertigo, but she got pregnant. And Hitchcock famously hated Kim Novak, the actress that actually got the role in, role in Vertigo. And um, he kind of hated Verna Miles for that shit. Wow. He's like, you made me work with fucking Kim Novak. And even in the uh, Francois Truffaut and Hitchcock interview, like, he even talk shit about her in that. He's like, I curse that child. That child is the bait of my existence. Like, <laughs> and like, as far as Tippi Hetron goes, like, man, I don't know. Like, I don't want to call her crazy, but when she's complaining about Hitchcock throwing birds at her, you know, for the birds. Was he actually flinging birds at her? That's what <laughs> she said. Get a bird says. slingshot like in, like in. <laughs> Look, I just really don't care because she made Roar, all right, where multiple cast members got their heads like ripped off by fucking lions almost i mean holy shit yeah like jan debont lost fucking his scalp during the making of that movie no way yeah wow melanie griffith de dedication there yeah. yeah her face got mauled by a lion that's her child Act like you're getting attacked <laughs> so it's like yeah you know what uh what? getting birds thrown at you doesn't sound like the worst thing to happen so i don't know it happened a long time ago too <laughs> It's hard to, you know... And there's a documentary, I don't remember where I saw it, but where a couple of them are claiming that, like, yeah, Me Too movement type stuff. Right. I don't want to go into much detail, because I don't remember all the details, yeah. and I don't want to accuse Hitchcock of something he didn't do. <laughs> right. Um, it was a different time. But it seemed like he had a fascination <laughs> of, of 
blonde naked women. He liked to control people. That's what he liked to do. Um, like I mean, to pull pranks on people too. Apparently, to get his like ideas. Like apparently, there were multiple versions of of uh, Norman's mother, and he was the trying corpse. To, yeah, he was trying to figure out uh, which which one's the scariest. So they would hide it all over the set, and then when Janet would come in, you know, she would start like, "Hey, would you go over there and like grab something out of that room?" And she'd open the door like, Wah! you know, like scare. Her. And then eventually, they they found the the right one. And had the right scare. Janet Leigh, uh, famously, she's always said great things about Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. But, I mean, she's even come out and said that he's controlling, you know? Like, he wants you to present yourself in a certain way, not only on set, but also in the public eye. He wants you to be a lady. I guess there's, you know, there's some problems with that. But it was a different time. Yeah. Well, it's just like, what? 50s it was, and 60s. Didn't, so. like, Stanley Kubrick, like, completely, like, you know, drive uh, the the woman inside in, um Oh, The Shining. Like, Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall, like, just, like, completely, like, just cuss her out and just make her completely just, like, just See, crazy. I'm totally on Kubrick's side on this one. I think Shelley Duvall drove Stanley Kubrick crazy. Because <laughs> apparently, like, like, like he, every, he was really hateful to her. Because everybody else on set seemed to be having a great time where she's, like, having a nervous breakdown. He doesn't like anything I do. Well, fucking do something different. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's hard. Like, these filmmakers and these actors, they just, they get all this pressure put on them. And, you know, it's always like, it's always like an independent film or something that's really risky. And the, you have these actors that blow up on set. I guess unless you're Christian Bale, then you just blow up on set on the Terminator. But, uh, you know. Well, if you were in Terminator, what was it? Four? Uh, yeah, Salvation, right? And he and blew up on the well. damn DP, man. The motherfucker was just doing his job. Like He's like working on the lights while you're doing, while you're How rehearsing. How dare you get my eyeline? Yeah. <laughs> you know who the fuck I am? I'm done with you professionally. You're, I mean, you're a nice guy and everything, but I am done with you professionally. Fuck you, bro. DP's like, all right, let's see how you look in this movie, motherfucker. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to point at that fucking mole in your face now. I'm going to quit fucking hiding it with my goddamn shadows, cunt. Like, <laughs> Why do we have a 1K shining right at Chris's foot? The set's lit. Roll it. <laughs> Camera's good. <laughs> moving on. <coughs> Don't you want to step in for last looks? No, we're moving on. He doesn't need last looks. Yeah, throw some dead in his face. He's like putting a special just on that little mole on his nose. <laughs> By his eye. You know what I'm talking oh, about. We blocked oh this earlier. Why does, when he moves, he steps completely out of frame? I don't know. He's not hitting his marks, I guess. <laughs> Gonna move all of his marks to the right. <laughs> are we at trailer time, guys? I think we are. All right. Guys, we're going to take a break. We're going to play the trailer for Psycho. We'll be back. Good afternoon. Here we have a quiet little motel tucked away off the main highway and as you see perfectly harmless looking when in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime this motel also has as an adjunct an old house which is, if I may say so, a little more sinister looking, less innocent than the motel itself. And in this house, the most dire, horrible events took place. In that window on the second floor, the single one in front, that's where the woman was first seen. 
Let's go inside. You see, even in daylight, this place still looks a bit sinister. Now, it was at the top of these stairs that the second murder took place. She came out of the door there and met the victim at the top. Of course, in a flash, there was the knife, and in no time, the victim tumbled and fell with a horrible crash. I think the back broke immediately and hit the floor. It was, it's difficult to describe the way that the, the, the twisting of the, of the, well, I, it's, uh, I won't dwell upon it. Let, let, come upstairs. Of course, the victim, or should I say victims, hadn't any conception as to the type of people they would be confronted with in this house, especially the woman. She was the weirdest and the most... Well, well let's go into her bedroom. Here's the woman's room, still beautifully preserved. and the imprint of her figure on the bed where she used to lay. This was the son's room, but uh, we won't go in there because his favorite spot was the little parlor behind his office in the motel. Let's go down there. This young man, you had to feel sorry for him. After all, being dominated by an almost maniacal woman was enough to drive anyone to the extreme of, uh, uh, well, let's go in. Well, I suppose you'd call this his hideaway. His hobby, as you see, was taxidermy. Crow here, an owl there. An important scene took place in this room. There was a private supper here. And, uh, oh, by the way, this picture has great significance because, uh, let's go along to cabin number one. I want to show you something there. Tidied up. The bathroom. Well, I cleaned all this up now. Big difference. You should have seen the blood. The whole, the whole place was. Well, it's, it's too horrible to describe. Dreadful. And I'll tell you, there's a very important clue was found here. Down there. Well, the murderer, you see, crept in here. Very slowly, of course, the shower was on, there was no sound. 
And, uh... We're back! That was a trailer for Psycho. We may have cut that down for runtime. No, man, let it play. Um, you think so? Fuck it. <laughs> what a uh, interesting uh, trailer. Not really, a, not really a trailer. Well, yeah. It's like a set tour. Yeah. And uh, or a story set up. Yeah, it's was, it was kind of funny. Yeah. Like you know, he's, he's very humorous. Well, that's how Hitch was because yeah. you know at this time uh, Alfred Hitchcock Hour was on television. So well, he's also Alfred Hitchcock s- presents. Yeah. He's also setting up all these horrible things that are too bad to even speak of. Right, that you're gonna see in this movie. But he's 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 too much of a gentleman to talk about it. <laughs> I like how he kind of starts talking and he's like, Nah, just yeah, you'll just have to see. Oh, we didn't even mention uh, Hitchcock always does a cameo in his movies. Yeah, I wrote that down, uh, and then later I did I did see that it actually was him because it kind of t- took me by surprise. But it's like when she's walking into uh, the real office, estate office. Yeah, yeah, he's like standing out there on the on the sidewalk, just kind of like, and he kind of glances back at the camera a little bit, you know, and he looks forward, and you're like, oh, there's the man himself. Oh, and the uh, the actress that's playing um, the other secretary that Janet Lee meets—that's uh, Hitchcock's daughter, Patricia Hitchcock. Oh, no way. Yeah, the one that goes, I declare. <laughs> I don't. That's why I get to keep it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, when he was young, he kind of looked like Adolf Hitler. Yeah, with the stash. He was a lot thinner, too. Interesting, yeah. Of course, when he started getting rich, he would, like, import foods from, like, all over the world. And they would just, like... Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah, he would have, like, cases of wine, like, shipped to him yeah. on set actually, from France. I actually looked up the wine that he drinks. Uh, you can still get a 1960... Oh, wait, so 1959 uh, bottle of the Chardonnay that he that his favorite Chardonnay, and it cost you about $2,000. Whoa! Well, that's it? Yeah. Hmm. I wonder how much it was then in the 60s. Like uh, ni- 19... Well, I guess it was 1958. Yeah, 59. I don't know. Mont- Montrachet Chardonnay was bought, that one. I bought that tea this morning. <laughs> it's two for uh, $2. <laughs> two for two. I like that. Kind of yeah. just rolls off the counter. Kind of. And, and apparently, apparently his favorite champagne was Dom Perignon, um, like 1959. Uh, oh, Look at that. That's uh, like James Bond, bro. Yeah. Uh, but uh, High but living. The, apparently that vintage that year, they only made about 300 bottles. So really? That was his. that was his favorite. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah, he had very expensive taste. He's like, I drank all of that year. Um, there are still a few of those bottles lying, uh, that exist, and they're in the $80,000 range. $80,000 yeah, uh, the, the, for a there's, bottle of champagne? Uh, yeah, the Champagne Rosé, uh, Dom Perignon, I looked it up. You can get them for around eighty grand. Woo! Man, I'm collecting the wrong things. <laughs> My thing is, if, if, I, if I bought that bottle, it'd be sitting over there, and I would get drunk one night and be like, I'm out of wine. <laughs> You know, book it, man. You got to do it sometime. Yeah, right? It'll be at a party. You'll have some friends over or something, and somebody will go be like, "Fuck it, let's taste the eighty-year champagne." Oh my god, dude! You imagine you wake up the next morning going, "Damn it, oh, dude!" I'd be killing somebody. Did we do what? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Son, it, your college is gone. Was it good? It's probably really bad. I don't know. I don't know how champagne ages. Because when I was looking up these bottles of wine, uh, there, there, there's a thing where people find bottles of wine. Uh, in shipwrecks, hundreds of years old shipwrecks, and then they bring them up and then they auction them off. And some people drink them. They say they're actually fine. But, really? Uh, yeah. The salt water doesn't... D- d- didn't penetrate somehow. Doesn't get through the cork? I don't know. That's crazy. Uh, one of them was like in a sunken uh, submarine. Uh, uh, like, you know, a German submarine sunk. 
And well, I then guess... they, they found the submarine, brought it up and opened it up, and there was crates of wine in there. And so they auctioned all those off for $20,000 a bottle. That's a lot of money. For some wine that you probably will never drink. I guess you do messages in a bottle, and the message doesn't get wet. So, message yeah. in a bottle. <laughs> Who called the police? <laughs> oh. boom, boom. Pun set up. <laughs> I didn't know it was pun day. Wait, guys, let's not call the cops. Let's call Arbogast. Arbogast. That's a good cop name. It is. Or Arbogast. a private eye. I guess he's a, he's a yeah. private eye. He's not a cop. He was a little wild. He yeah. wasn't buying Norman shit for a moment, was he? <laughs> very, very like cunning and smart. I, went, well, I like that he wants to question the mother. I like that. I also like... Um, I really didn't notice it on, uh, I guess it was this viewing or maybe maybe a couple years ago, but man, they always shoot the house from like a, a certain angle or it's always in a wide shot. Right. Yeah. And the only time you ever get close up to the front door is when Verna Miles. She's walking up there. Yeah. And it's just and, weird kind of like pushing in on it. And, it, and it's weird how it's kind of like, uh, it's very stressful and suspenseful yeah. for her to get to this house. Man, he milks that uh, walking up those steps, dude. Yeah, well. Ooh. Milk's it good. You ever tried to walk upstairs like that? Ooh, man. <laughs> I don't, I don't do right angles, okay? Yeah. No, no. Y'all no. yeah, go on ahead. It's going to take me a minute. <laughs> is, there, is there an escalator? Wait, they didn't have escalators in the 50s? I'm going to watch the car. <laughs> I like thought... that shot in Ghostbusters. How many floors is it? <laughs> oh, God, dude, yeah. Oh, you would be I tried exhausted. to do the Stairmaster at the gym last week. I made it two minutes. I, I call the stairmaster the still stairway to hell. It's fucking terrible, dude. <laughs> or so, maybe it is the stairway to heaven. Yeah, I would there die and have a heart attack. Yeah, and go yeah. straight up to heaven. You're like, fuck that stairway. I wonder how many lives the stairmaster has claimed. Dude, I tripped. Like, there's like, <laughs> like oh, oh. you tripped on a stairmaster. Well, once the stairs start going a certain like speed. Oh, I know? thought you you no you, you you're you holding one of those on, automated ones. You're holding yeah, you're holding on to. I don't at the gym does, but like uh, like I was, you hold on to these handles and then you're right uh, you're right you get these joysticks and then you go up and down like uh, you, you know uh, in, in speed. So your left hand controls the, uh, the, you know, if you want to go slower, your right hand controls faster. And if you get that thing rocking and you're you're going, boy, man, my uh, toke uh, clipped the stair. Ooh. I don't I think thought, I understand the the concept behind an automated. Yeah, I thought part of the exercise was the pushing yeah. down the. No, it, it's you're pushing yourself up. So imagine like you're having to climb these stairs really fast to even stay on it. So you're you're uh, it makes you kind of run upstairs. I don't think I've ever been on one of those. I guess what I'm thinking of is more it, like an elliptical. It's, it's no, this is the same thing. Like you're on a treadmill where it's running and you've got to like you've got to run to even be able to stay on it. But imagine that know. if stairs were running. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not doing that. I don't think I've ever been on one of those. Yeah, no, that's no, not man. for me. Yeah, no. Uh, like, it's, the guy I was like working out with, uh, he, he was like, oh, we're going to do 30 minutes on the Stairmaster. And I was like, okay, cool. I lasted two minutes. And I was like, I got to get the fuck off here, dude. Man, bro, I'm, like, you go do that young guy, all right? My knees are shot. <laughs> I'll do you. my Yeah, my knees been hurting ever since then. <laughs> I'm going right? to go bench press. <laughs> <laughs> I went and got on the elliptical, and I, I still, you know, I still got my work in. But fuck the Stairmaster. Yeah, fuck, and fuck the stairs outside. I kind of miss going to the gym. Well, Planet Fitness, man, we can go together. Ten bucks a month. Speaking of the psycho house, I, there is a uh, it was a great little story that the uh, AD was uh, talking about uh, when they built the exterior of the psycho house. Yeah, man, he said he was like super prepped and he was he was ready for Hitchcock because uh, <laughs> most of the crew that was working on um, a psycho was actually the crew from the television show. Right, it was his TV crew. Yeah, from Universal. Even though Paramount released this movie, they you know they didn't want to take responsibility for this. But when they were uh, when they built the house. And it's got that huge uh, rainstorm. Yeah. When she pulls up, well, 
they didn't take into account that the moon was going to be full that night, and it was right behind the house. Oh, no shit. Yeah, and Hitchcock was like, man, what, what the fuck? Come on, dude. Like, seriously, AD? Like, how Can you move you... the moon, please? Yeah. Well, he said they, the crew rigged up a bunch of blacks and blocked out the moon and traveled it all night. Isn't that insane? How high were those flags? I know, right? And you don't see them in frame. I, once I heard that little piece of trivia, I was like, oh, man, I got to go back and look at the wide shots now of the Psycho House. Wow. Well, the... Yeah, that's really crazy. And um, you know that the um, they only built those two walls, the the two the two, yeah. the two sides, so the back side's completely open. Well, they they finished it out uh, before Psycho Two was made, right? But apparently, the house that's there now is not the original. It was taken down and rebuilt, and then moved. It's been moved to multiple locations. It's yeah. it's in the burbs. It's yeah, in, didn't they like remove the, the top of it or something? Yeah, and well, actually, no. That so it it, it moved next to the Munsters' house. And then they started, um, then, then they swapped places. So the Munster's house was on the left, and then this house was on the right. And then they swapped places. And then now it's on the left. And, and, and then uh, des- uh, Desperate Housewives came in, and they completely took the top of it off and rebuilt an entire facade on the out. So it doesn't even look anything like, you know, that house doesn't Destroying exist anymore. Destroying the psycho house. What so the, the, one, the one that's in Universal now is just, it's fake. It was built for that. Like all of that's not the original. Oh, I thought that was the one from Psycho 2. And the sequels from, from the things that I was I was watching and reading. No, it's not. Oh, it's not. There, there may be pieces of it that are that are that are original, but like it's it was rebuilt. They, they you know, when they did the tour, um, I haven't been on it in, in forever. But even back in the day, they had their facts wrong. Really? Yeah, because they would always talk about like you know during the shower scene, uh, Hitchcock would turn the water on cold to scare Janet Lee and get her to scream good. That's right. totally false. Janet Lee is like, no, the water was fine hitchcock in fact made sure that it was warm well apparently it took like seven days to shoot that sh- uh, the shower scene and i don't know if you guys have ever taken a shower but uh <laughs> my shower water does not stay hot uh very long and uh you know if you really want to take a fucking shower you know it gets kind of luke you know it gets pretty cool pretty quickly so i can't imagine a seven day shower well um, i mean how long how, think- how are they keeping that warm yeah, well <laughs> I, dude you gotta think of between those setups though like I mean, they're just turning it on, you know, for the shot. And once the shot's over, I'm sure they turn it off. I don't know, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time to shoot one scene. And it was 70 camera setups. Isn't that crazy? But there's not 70. I think there's like, yeah, there's like 50 shots. Well, I don't think they used all the shots they had. Because there was a shot that they had that uh, uh, a couple of the uh, sensors had to uh, remove. They wanted them to remove because it showed a nipple. Right. Or what they thought. They saw a nipple. So he took a couple of shots out of the, the shower sequence. Well, the thing that yeah, you sent this really cool um, podcast. If, you, if, if anyone wants to listen to this, it's really amazing. It's called uh, Inside Psycho. Oh, yeah. And From it, Wonderly? It's a, yeah, it's, it's a six-episode um, It's a six episode series that d- tells really cool stories. And then there's a really cool uh, like 30-minute interview as a bonus episode with the guy who did the Psycho uh, documentary. And they kind of like they dig in. It's it's, it's a really, really cool, like, in-depth kind of, like, if you don't want to read a bunch of stuff about it and get, you know, hear some cool stories, man, it's super fun. Well, it's cool, like, how they uh, they put those old stories in um, kind of a cool audio environment for you yeah. where it's like, okay, like, oh, we're Alfred Hitchcock. It's like, we're about ready to win an Oscar. You know when they did that? Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. Cool. It, it's it's like uh, it's like really, really produced NPR. Like, yeah. really well produced. I can see that. Yeah, it's it's really, really good. So if you're if you're a fan of this film, then you really really have to go listen to that. After you listen to this podcast, obviously. And this was nominated for uh, four Oscars. Really, best director, best supporting actress for Janet Lee, 
um, art direction black and white and cinematography black and white because they were, in 1960 they were split black and white in color. I wonder when that like kind of phased out. They were like, we know, we're not going to do the black and white anymore. Man, I, pretty pretty no. It would have been like right after this. It's it would have been you know, like, like they had a, they had an award just for that, and then it just kind of goes away. Because I think this was uh, the same year the apartment won best picture, and uh, I know Billy Wilder won best director instead of Hitchcock. Um, and I think that was the last film, The Apartment, to win uh, Best Picture, and it was shot in black and white. Wow. I'm not 100% sure on that. No, but. there's been new ones. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's not called Best uh, Set Design in a Black and White Film. Yeah. Right. Well, you're right. They did, like, Schindler's List has won, and the, uh, the artist has won since then. But, yeah. We're Schindler's almost... List has color. Oh, that's true. That's true. Kind of. It's got a splash of red. Fucking. Yeah, it's got a dot. <laughs> Fucking make me cry it's, my eyes out. It's got a tittle. Fuck, bro. That's a hard fucking movie to watch, dude. I, I, I was trying to rewatch that uh, a couple weeks ago, man. I had to t- fucking turn it off. I couldn't do it. Fucking depressing as shit. Anyway, it is. Yeah. Just, oh, man. It's a long it's one, great. too. It's a slog. It's great, man. Oof. Fucking makes me cry like a little baby, though. <laughs> Damn. Fuck that movie, man. So many fucking scenes of just heartbreak after heartbreak. Damn. And fucked up People's shit. People's faces missing. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's shot so un-Spielberg, like, just so... In your face. Do you know he ruined some Panavision cameras to do that movie? How so? They, um, this is amazing. They took these old, they took these lenses and they took the, they like went in and like put these chemicals on them and like completely stripped all the coatings off of them. So they would get uh, certain types of flares and then they went in on the gate and they like kind of like jabbed at them and stuff and like fucked them up a little bit. So you get like little light leaks and, and things every now and then for some of the shots. Like they, they completely like fucked up some Panavision cameras. I and, never knew that. And like they, he was like, can, can we can we do this? And, and Panavision was like, yeah, <laughs> I guess so, dude, do it. <laughs> you got insurance, right? <laughs> yeah, but but I guarantee you those cameras are probably still out there. You know, the, you know they just... Either, Fuck yeah, bro! Yeah. He'd be like, "Hey, you want the light leak uh, Schindler's List camera?" Yeah, exactly. Fuck yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, people have probably used it since then. But uh, yeah, either they, that or they're going. Why does this shit look so weird? <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't tell anybody. Panavision just gone. shipped it out because <laughs> you don't know how to light. Yeah, that's right. Oh, you don't know how to use our cameras. You forgot how to shoot on film, fucker. <laughs> You're right. I did. <laughs> but yeah, if you should look look into that. It's pretty cool. The, the camera stuff they did for that film. Oh man, yeah, I have to check that out. I like that uh, the DP Kaminsky, Kaminsky, Yonish Kaminsky. Yes. Oh, uh, we do have to bring up uh, Bernard Herman, who did the composer. Yeah, yes. dude. Oh man, he's he's amazing. Uh, first started off with Citizen Kane. I think it was his first fucking score. Yeah. Last one was uh, Orson Welles brought him out to uh, uh, to Los Angeles. He's like, come out, we'll put you to work. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, it's amazing. That's where you got your start, and then you end up with Hitchcock. What was his last film I was reading? Um, it's Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver, yeah, that's right. Wow, man, what a crazy one to go out on, too. Like, dude. Yeah. Uh, both uh, Scorsese and De Palma used him. I think De Palma used him for Sisters. They were both, you know, big Hitchcock fans. I think everybody was a big Hitchcock fan. Yeah. But, yeah, he's a filmmaker's filmmaker. He, he, uh, but uh, he also had some balls to be able to, like, go up to Hitchcock and be like, I get final cut on, on, on score. By the way, well, this movie was low budget, right? Right. It was uh, eight hundred thousand dollars was the budget, and I wonder what that is today. I don't know. Let me find out. That that's a good question. I know it's thirty two million that it made is equal to like three hundred and eighty two some million. Whoa! Today, so yeah. Talk about devaluing a dollar. <laughs> Inflation, man, it's crazy. So you said eight hundred thousand? Yeah, eight hundred thousand dollars. Anybody want to guess? 
I do like the only string uh, instrument score. I don't know. Uh, I say... Uh, 15 million? 20, 30 million. I'd say somewhere in 20, 30. You right? think 30, maybe? Maybe. That high? No, we don't want to guess. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, it's 600 and... That can't be right. Read that number. 680 million dollars? No way. No, uh, 6.8 million. 6.8 million. Yeah. 6 point... Uh, yeah. Okay, we were way off. Yeah. That's actually not too bad. That's still a low-budget movie. That is a low... That can't be right, dude. That doesn't sound right. 800,000? You'd think it'd be like a multiplier of at least 10. Because that's how the box office... Although, okay... Well, I, if it was 10, then... This movie did get re-released, too, so... Well, if it was 10... It was almost It was almost, It was was almost. almost $7 million. It wasn't exactly one, so it'd be less than $10 million. So, yeah, he's probably right at it. Man, that's crazy if that's true. I mean, this was low budget, yeah. So that, 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 that's totally. This is the Blumhouse movie of today. Yeah, that. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, this is totally like the Blumhouse model. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I just realized that. Yeah. I, yeah, I would not have put that together. Hitchcock yeah. invented everything. Yeah. Damn, bro, you kind of yeah. Holy shit! And they, yeah, and you're the, right. And they only paid seven thousand dollars for the script, which is like pretty badass. Well, Robert Block didn't. He didn't understand he didn't know. exactly yeah. <laughs> what scripts were selling for. I think he even asked his agent, like, is that a good price? Yeah. Is that good? That's, that's, I've I've heard heard sell it. it. It's great. I mean, I've heard of novelists getting, like, $1,000 for their for their rights. So this does follow the novel really closely, though. I need to reread it. I haven't read it in a long time. It's, it's a good read. It, it does start with, like, uh, Norman and uh, his mother, and they're, they're, they're talking, and then it... When it jumps to Marion Crane, she's already in the car driving, and you get the uh, the scenes that you get in the movie are told in flashbacks. That's really the only thing different. Outside of that, everything, even the cop the, and the psychiatrist showing up at the end, that's in the novel. So the guy doing, uh, so the voice of, of Mother in this, that's not the main actor, is it? No, that's not Anthony Perkins. Which is interesting because it's they, three, it's two actresses and one actor. They, uh, the, because they. Um, in that podcast that you sent us, they, they tell a story about how uh, Perkins would have these parties where he would, like, crank call celebrities. And like, he would have all these voices, and he would record yeah. them. And Alfred Hitchcock was there one time, and he heard him doing a voice and was like, that's the voice of Mother. But he doesn't use it. Yeah. That's interesting. Maybe it was just, a, like, an inspiration for. I don't know. I think maybe it just got him thinking about Anthony Perkins in the part. Right. Either that or he was like, later on, he was like, I was wrong. That's not the voice of Mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, Anthony Perkins, like, he just fucking nails this movie, man. I cannot believe he didn't get he didn't get a nomination for this performance. It is so fucking just, like, pitch perfect. Dude, when he comes out of the door wearing the dress and he's got that, like, you hear his, you hear his kind of laughy scream and then they cut it. And they move it out, and it's just it's just him, and he's writhing, and he's just going, and they, they it makes it even more powerful that you're not hearing it. It's just so fucking badass. I love like yeah. what his mouth is doing in that. Oh, shot, it's too. so wide and like ah, it's all like, twisted. Dude, yes. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it, it's just yeah. Oh man, it's it's so good. It, it, it creeps you out, and then you realize how damaged this guy is, even in this you know this moment. Was the end ruined for you? Did you know? Oh, I, t- I, t- I, yeah, I totally, I totally knew going in, but I was able to separate myself. I was, tr- I was, I was able to watch it, thinking, you know, I could see, you know, how <laughs> I could put myself in that situation a little bit. But I, I totally knew. So when when going in to see the 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 mother's body sitting in the chair, obviously I knew she was dead. But was that a swivel chair? How did that body turn like that? 
Well, she just like touched the shoulder and it like spins. Yeah, it's a little swivel chair, right? Was it? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I took it as. It was like one, you know, like an office chair, like we're sitting in right now. Yeah, or that I am. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, Jared. Plus, it's just a cool visual. It is super cool. It like turns. And oh yeah, the, 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 like this the empty and eyes. She hits the light bulb and the light oh, goes yeah. swinging. Oh, it's so great. The oh yeah, that it's so awesome, man. You get Verna Miles scream. I her scream is really good too. Yeah. Oh yeah, Janet Lee. Jamie, first... Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis style screaming. Am I right? <laughs> Janet Lee's uh, uh, yeah, she's the first scream queen ever too. There are lot, lots of firsts in this movie. I know the shower scene's been talked to death. Uh, you know, analyzing film, it's probably one of the most like studied scenes ever in film history. But man, I I love that sequence in the film. Like you, you don't really see anything, but man, you just you get the impact of everything and just the music and the fucking sound of that fucking knife. Right. And then when it's just over and you're left with that shower and that music going dun 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 <laughs> it's just fuck bro in the eye right. and the sink and the blood going down. It's so it's every fucking thing is pitch perfect and it like really changed how, how we how we make horror movies. Not yes. only horror movies, but it also kinda changed like like would Martin Scorsese be able to make that uh crazy ass Coke run sequence in Goodfellas had this movie not a- existed? Movies were not cut like this. Well, what's interesting is, is they like shot like this. Um, with as meticulous and planned out as Hitchcock was, apparently his production designer came up with the editing style for that scene. He like storyboarded that scene. He storyboarded it. Uh, Saul Bass, yeah, is the uh, yeah the uh, graphic designer guy, and he 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 did the uh, credit sequences right as well. But it was his idea to cut quickly, and you know to. That's what he said, but right. that has like been massively disputed. Um, and Hitchcock, there's a bunch of like little storyboards that you can actually see like Hitch drew, and you can see his handwriting on them. But you know, I don't know how true all that stuff is, or who really did what. You know, I know that. Um, when well, Arbogast, bottom, bottom line is Hitchcock approved it, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, his wife even helped him cut that sequence together. So you know? I mean, I mean, I yeah, I could see a situation where somebody goes, "Hey, what if we did this?" And Hitchcock kind of drew it out. And went, yeah, okay, that'll work. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, like Hitchcock wasn't even on set the day uh, that Arbogast dies. When he comes out, like he he got a uh, stomach virus, and he did not show up on set. And they were like, "Oh yeah, you know what? Just use Saul Bass's storyboards." And they used them, and that's like when most of the fucking cut footage is actually from that scene. Wow. There's like a, a bunch of shots of like Arbogast walking up and. Hitchcock was like, oh, you know, if we cut to his feet walking up the stairs, he's like, that's not really the POV or the mindset that we're in in this moment. He's a victim. And if we're showing his feet, that implies he's more of a killer. It's like, man, okay, I can can see see that. that. Yeah, Yeah. I can see that train of thought. I would have never, like putting that sequence together in 1960, I would have never thought of that. I mean, now it seems very obvious. Right. Because of all the the stuff that's come off and ripped it off. And yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. It's interesting. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Saul Bass is great. I'm not going to take anything away from, from Saul Bass. Like, like, I mean, just all the openings. Like, even North by Northwest, dude. Like, how fucking awesome is that? And fucking Vertigo? Like, Hitchcock is known for his opening credit sequences. They're always badass. And if they're really fucking impressive, Saul Bass did them. Speaking of credits, like, the, on the... Um, which I love the little, like, you know, the little side where it cuts left, right, left, right with all the, yeah. the text and even, like, the, the um, horizontal lines coming in and all that. It looks really cool. And it ends that way, too. It kind of pops up, but there's no like credits. Was that just for the 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 cut that I saw, or are there actually no credits on this movie? Are you talking about at the end? The close credits. No, yeah, the, the movie just comes up at the end with the license plate, and it just goes away. Yeah, how is that possible? Like they didn't do credits back then. No, 
You did, you did all your credits at the beginning of the movie, and then yeah, no craft services. Wizard of Oz had credits. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't get. <laughs> they didn't credit just everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, they should have. Well, doesn't Wizard of Oz have credits in the beginning? Yeah, but yeah. it also has credits at the end. Does it? Uh huh. Or is that just? Was that added later? Yeah, was that added later? I don't know. It's got the little dots, you know, where the 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 words and it's got the little dots that go over to the next. Oh wait, one, maybe that doesn't have credits in the beginning. Maybe that's why they put them at the end. Because doesn't that just start like right away in that sepia tone with yeah. the arm? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe that's. I dude, I haven't watched Wizard. So of it's interesting. In a while. So if you got them at the beginning, you don't put them at the end. Or if you got them yeah, at the I end, can't you think don't... of an older movie where I've even seen them at the end. Well, no, wait, that's not true. I just thought of one. Leave her to heaven. <laughs> I just watched that. And that kind of, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. I can see. They're mostly at the beginning, though. I think I'm thinking of like Casablanca. It's interesting that it just kind of goes away. Yeah. The end, fade to black. Yeah, man, I can remember a bunch of older black and white movies that just, you know, the end. Yeah. But then I can remember some that have like, I always thought of them as extra credits. <laughs> like you you had the main credits at the front. Yeah. You know, the, the actors, the director, and they went into a lot more of the crew than normal would today and then at the end there was just like two screens of extra people <laughs> yeah i wonder if they if that, that was like a, a decade thing where they stopped and started i don't know i have to go back and look at that i kind of prefer them at the end well there, there's a i like uh, a, a good opening credit sequence though if you listen to ready. the um if you listen to the um, director's commentary on uh, Garden State, <laughs> uh, he talks about how the, uh, the I know man did not think that movie would <laughs> I know. be brought up during Psycho. <laughs> well, it's 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 related it's related to the credits thing. He talks about there's a um, there's a limited amount of the things that, that you have to have at the beginning. So he used the uh, minimum amount of credits at the beginning and did the rest at the end. So like producer, executive producer. Um, director yeah i think the guilds are a you lot know. more involved now like like you there you have to have you have to have the, this certain thing at the beginning uh and then you know then you can do the rest yeah so there are rules now yeah uh, well, robert rodriguez got kicked out of the guild because uh was it frank miller uh he wanted to do uh co-directed um on sin city yeah and he wanted to do directed by robert rodriguez and frank miller and the the dga said no you can't do that He's not. He's not a union member. Oh I know. wow, that's on, insane! So on, he just quit the union. On Dogma, Kevin Smith was complaining something about they didn't want him to do the written and directed by. Really, like the Writers Guild wanted him to take a separate. See, that's so ridiculous. Like, why does that matter? But then, what about movies like like Dark Knight that has nothing at the beginning? Does it not have anything? No, nothing. It's got a logo for the studio, and that's it. It doesn't even give you like the title of the movie. Wow. Yeah, you just get the flame. The blue black bat flames. Or bl- so, I mean, you know what movie flame. it is. Yeah. But... Wow. Nolan's working things out with the, <laughs> with the production company. He's like, look, this is what's going to happen. We're opening Epic. I, mean, I always like uh, Alfred Hitchcock's uh, opening credits, though. I think David Fincher took that to heart, and he's kind of like uh, in the opening credit sequence department. Like, yeah. I'm always excited about his opening credit sequences. Even Panic Room, like, fuck, bro, that was cool back in the day. It's a little CGI looking out, but man, That's back cool in the movie. day. Oh, yeah, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. man, fuck. Sledgehammer to the face, yo. Oh! Yeah, man. Ooh, I get to say it. I haven't seen that one all the way through. Oh, really? Oh, man, that one's got a really? solid ending, dude. Oh, man, dude, come on. You, you, well, they attack. Always like, Oh, Fincher. man. Dude. And that, that's when Fincher, like, was leaning on Hitchcock probably the most was uh, was Panic Room. I don't remember why I didn't get why I didn't finish watching it, but I started it one night. But it yeah, dude, you finish. should finish that one. That one's cool. Real quick, I, I like the production design in the movie. I like uh, you know, the, the parlor with the birds. It's 
bizarre, but I like it. Yeah. I don't really know why they're there, but man, dude, once you get inside uh, the actual mansion. I think it's there because you're showing that Norman likes being around dead things. Yeah, I know, but why birds? Like, of all the things you could He explains stuff, it. He, he's like, it's because they're... I don't remember what he says, but he, she, she asks why birds. They're easy to find. Uh, he, he, he gives a reason. I don't remember why, but he does give a reason. Yeah. I hate that I don't know why. Because <laughs> she does ask. She does ask, but uh, he's, he says... Doesn't she say, like, uh, you eat like a bird? And she's like, oh, well, you, well, you would, would know. know. And he's like, oh, not really. And it's like, oh, uh, <laughs> wait, wh- wait, what? You surrounded by 30 dead birds? <laughs> Why would you not know? You said it. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. Uh, this is kind of awkward now. <laughs> I like how they, Anthony Perkins plays between, you know. I like his little creepy smiles and stuff. He's just yeah, so right? like. But I, mean, I, I love that once you get into the psycho house, I love the decor. I just, everything. Like the little black Cupid uh, s- uh, statue that's yeah. by the stairwell. I love that. And then once Is all get- that stuff still in the house? The house is... No, is, it's is, just an exterior. It, oh, yeah, 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 it's just a facade. Yeah, they built all the uh, interiors in a, in a soundstage. But... Um, It'd be cool if they still had the sound stages up. That little uh, that little black oh, Cupid, fuck, bro. to bring it back to Titanic, reminds me of the uh, Cupid statue at the, at the Grand Staircase in the Titanic. Oh, yeah, I could totally see yeah, that. It's kinda yeah, like, it right. kind of made me think of that. I, I really like when Verna Miles like finally gets into Norman Bates' mother's room, and she starts walking around. Yeah. And you, you get to see like all these like really weird things she has in the house, and she picks up that one book, and she starts to open it. Right. But you you don't see the title on it. Yeah, no, You yeah. don't see any anything written in it. You get like all this information, but then you get fucking nothing at the same time, and you have to build everything off of just set design. Which is really interesting. I like that. I thought it was kind of weird that they like showed... Inside that room in the trailer and, and even the indention of the bed, because yeah. I thought that was a really great moment in the movie, that reveal. And you look over and then there's like this indention of the bed where this body's been laying for years, for 10 years, you know, like that's pretty damn crazy. Well, he moves it. Yeah. Sometimes it's got to, you know, be in the chair. <laughs> Mama doesn't just want to be up in the, the window. Yeah. I wonder if he like he takes it out of the bed when he's like when Norman Bates is actually mom himself. He's like, OK, I got to put your corpse away because I am mother now. <laughs> He props it up and has dinner with it and shit, like, you know, he like put, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He puts a Norman mask on it. He's like, hey, hell yes. Norman, you idiot! smacking <laughs> the corpse around. <laughs> it's, it's like a really bad version of Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, man. Yeah, see, that's great. <laughs> hey, guys, I got a great idea. Let's take Weekend at Bernie's and mix it with Split. Who's with me? So, didn't he uh, reprise his role in two other films? Three other sequels. So how does he come? Is it bef- like prequels? No, no, no. Uh, well, the fourth one kind of is, which was directed by Mick Garris, who's done a bunch of those. Yeah. Movies. Stephen King uh, made for TV movies or these miniseries like The Stand and The Shining. But um, yeah, he gets released um, mm. from the psychiatric ward, and he's he's actually better. And spoiler, uh, uh, well, you know, you know what? I'm people? not gonna. <laughs> he, yeah, he gets better, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil the, the ending of the second one because the Psycho Two actually has a really surprising well, ending. Well, spoil it to us, and then you can cut it out later. <laughs> okay, well, if you haven't seen Psycho Two, fast forward like two you minutes. Ruin this for me, but that's okay. Do it. Look, Norman Bates isn't actually crazy in Psycho Two. It's actually Verna Miles' character, the sister of Marion Crane. She has a daughter. Who's played okay, by, okay, I remember that now. Uh, Meg Tilly, and they actually are going back in the house and making Norman think he's fucking crazy again. Trying to trying to make him... Yeah, and then 
people start dying, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. So At he, first, did, he didn't dig up the body and bring it back and all that for his mom? No, no, no. Everything that happened in Psycho happened. So and he's then, fucking crazy. <laughs> well, he's in a sanitarium, and then they release him. Okay. He's, this has been like – the movie's actually kind of done in real time because that movie came out in the 80s, so it's like been 22 years. Okay. That's cool. And it's an older Anthony Perkins, um, you know, 22 years later. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a really nice reveal, and then it turns out that Mrs. Bates really wasn't his mother. It was actually Mrs. Bates had a sister, and she is batshit crazy, and she had her own problems and her own murder, and that's why she gave the baby to her sister who raised Norman. Anyway, at the end of the movie, she comes and reveals to Norman that, you know, like, oh, yeah, I was killing all these people to protect you because uh, Marion Crane's sister was coming after you. And then at the end of the movie, Norman kills her. Wow. And goes back to being Norman Bates. And Psycho 3, you know, they find out. And then Psycho 4, he gets released again. And this time he's got a girl and he calls into a radio show. And it's it's flashbacks. It's got the kid from E.T., that uh, Henry Thomas. Yeah. He plays the young Norman Bates and does a fantastic job. I thought you were about to say, uh, what's, uh, 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 oh, what's his name? Uh, C. Thomas Howell. Oh. <laughs> no, man, Elliot. Elliot. We at the end here, guys? Yep, I'm about to go get some M&Ms. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's rate this movie. <laughs> what was that, that? Benson? It was like, a, like a frog. <laughs> it's that a was, 10? That was, was anybody not going to give it a 10? Uh, six, six and a half. You're out of here. No longer allowed to come back. We ban you. You're done, Jared. You're done. No, man. Everybody's going to say a 10 on this one. All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, dude. This this movie transcends time. It's completely watchable. People who say, I don't like black and white movies, you're going to fucking love this movie, man. If you like movies, you'll love this movie. I have never understood why people don't like black and white. It's the same reason people don't like movies. I ain't reading nothing. I ain't going to read my movie now. I'm going to watch nothing with no subtitles. You think they just haven't seen a good black and white movie? That's what it is? I'm telling you, dude, that's kind of like, I haven't seen a lot of black and white movies, but this one like really is really solid. Wasn't Janet Leigh in Touch of Evil too? That's another great black and white movie. Yeah, I just think people who are used to color when they're Ooh, used to color, black and white kind of just throws them off. Yeah, like my kids, I guess my daughters, they used to have a hard time like black and white would. Like, where's the color? I used to have a hard time with Technicolor when I was a kid. It had a very interesting look to that it. That just it? looks weird. Yeah, right. I no, just... it's cool though. I mean, it's, it's definitely got a weird look to it though. It, it, yeah. it kind of dates it and puts it in its time with those like interesting greens and. Well, the greens weren't really green. They were like almost blue. Yeah, they they kind of. It was weird. Tur- Turquoisey kind of yeah. Yeah, color. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, before I knew, yeah. Before exactly I knew the name of them, I used to call them those pastel movies. You know, yeah. Exactly. That, that, that is kind of how I would put it. But yeah, I'm th- especially like uh, those old uh, color Errol Flynn movies, yeah. man. Oh, God, dude. Those looked so... I remember my grandfather showing me so many of those. Fucking Robin Hood, dude. Oh, so fucking... That's a class, class movie. Or when they started colorizing movies. Oh... Damn. That, you know, when you say that, the see, first I thing I think of is Night of Living this, Dead. If they were going to like colorize this film, because when you see the cover of this movie, it's colorized. And I was like, oh God, please don't colorize this movie. Wait, the, co- the color? What? The cover of Psycho? Like, uh, like, at least the one that I, I saw. It's, it's like her in the shower screaming and it's colorized. Oh. Huh, never I've seen ne- that. Yeah, I've never seen that home video cover. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. The one, the, I always usually see the ones with the house. Yeah, yeah with the, the house. Yeah, yeah. Which... <laughs> I will say, Best Buy has got a great... Yeah, nice. Best Buy's got a great uh, four movie Psycho 4-movie collection. Get all four of the Anthony Perkins Psycho films. 
And uh, it does have all of the uh, behind-the-scenes extras from the uh, the Psycho Disc. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. I need to pick that up. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a good collection, man. I highly recommend it. And it's, like, dirt cheap. It's less than $10 at Best Buy. You you should, yeah, you should get it. And uh, I would also recommend the uh, Truffaut Hitchcock book, if you like Hitchcock at all. Even if you don't. I mean, like, ooh, some of the shit that comes out of his mouth is brilliant. <laughs> Just fucking brilliant. Like, oh my God, it's so good. Actors are cattle. <laughs> I don't care about the fucking story. I care about the purity of film, damn it. I mean, just, <laughs> oh my God, it's, it's so great. Yeah, I read his MacGuffin statement yesterday, today or just one of those. And somebody asked him about what's a MacGuffin. And he said, I think it comes from a, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing his, his story, but it, it's a story from two guys on a train and one, they're in Scotland. And one guy said, what's that in the bag up front? And he says, that's a MacGuffin. Well, what's a MacGuffin? It's a Scottish lion trap. Well, there's no lions in Scotland. So a MacGuffin is nothing. Is that accurate? No, I think he was just being uh, a smart okay, ass. Yeah, oh, that's that interesting. He, he doesn't. <laughs> okay, I was, oh man, all right, all right. So I found this to show you guys. See how she's colored? Oh, okay. Yeah. I have oh, seen okay, that Okay, I've seen that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just weird. It's part of the uh, Hitchcock the Ted- signature series. It's, it's part of the Ted Turner coloring black and white movies. <laughs> well, no, I don't... Uh, <laughs> that disc wasn't actually colorized. No, no, the, no, I, I, no. The one I watched was totally uh, black and white and gorgeous. I don't think Psycho has ever been colorized. They don't need to do that. Yeah. It's fine. Leave it alone. Well, if you want to watch the colorized version, I guess we haven't mentioned Gus Van Sant did do a shot-for-shot shot remake. I thought we were going to skip that. No. <laughs> Have you, you guys seen, seen it? That? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen selected scenes from. Bro, I own it. Shout Factory put it out on Blu-ray, and I could not help myself. I had to buy it. I haven't seen it. There's a super cool like video. If you look up Psycho bathroom scene uh, comparison, type that into uh, the uh, YouTube. We'll put it in the show notes. And it's pretty cool. Like you, uh, They play the, the, the shower scenes uh, next to each other, and you, you see where they actually line up beat for beat. There's added shots and stuff, but every now and then it's kind of like they they had the original edit on the timeline and it's like you know uh, place certain beats in the same. I've heard spot. everybody complain that he just basically shot it shot for shot. Most of it he did. Yeah, most of it. it it's I'm gonna say it's about ninety percent. He fixed like that opening shot, like Hitchcock always wanted the movie to open with a, a wide shot of Phoenix and then go into the window all in one shot. They do that. Um, it looks okay, you know, for yeah. what it was made. Uh, it's like about ninety eight. Yeah, it's so, 98. You know, it doesn't look terrible. It's just, it's really bizarre. Like in the shower scene, they cut to uh, these, I don't know, like a, maybe a second shot uh, where it's just a flash of like a thunderstorm. Yeah, it's like clouds rolling and then they, they like close-ups over Iris. And, and they actually add the sound effects of the thunderstorm in. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so they, they, they roll some weird things in there like that. And I have no idea why. And there's like close-up of flies. And... Yeah, at the beginning, he's like, oh, you haven't had your, you haven't eaten your lunch yet. And he cuts in, there's a fly on the... On the sandwich, because, you know, he, uh, he wouldn't even hurt a fly. Well, I, I don't understand why that's there, though, in that part of the movie. It doesn't make any it, sense. Is it just supposed to show, like, uh, like you know, like, all these, you know, all these animals are eating dead things or things that are left out? But, I mean, that would but make sense if it was it's Texas Gus Chainsaw Van, It's Gus Van Sant making, you know, making it a little different, you know. He's got to put his touches on it. Mm. They definitely uh, put the, the sexual stuff a little bit more in the forefront as well. Yeah. 
in the movie. Like in the hotel scene, like the very beginning scene, there's like a couple fucking in the background. And oh, you can totally hear them through the walls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, CD motel. As soon as they bring up, it's a CD motel. You hear, uh, 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 yeah, that's uh, true. It's, it's yeah. a little forced, but yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. also Viggo Mortensen's mush mouth. You can't understand half the shit he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Julian Moore though is great. I love her as, as the sister in the, in the, she's always great. Yeah. She's good, man. Oh, she's good. And you know what? I liked Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates. I mean, he was not Anthony Perkins, no way, shape, or form, but those are big shoes to fill. Yeah, and he's a big guy. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. You've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. You guys want to get in touch with us? You can do so by sending us an email to themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's the movie crew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E. That's right, extra E at the end of the word crew at gmail.com. Uh, you guys can uh, follow us. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Movie Crew Pod. And you guys can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Vincent, where can the audience follow you, sir? He's lost. Probably it. the easiest would be at J. Edward Benson on Twitter. That's J A Y. Edward Benson. Stop that. Stop, stop, stop. I swear to God. Somebody I'm going to make like, that account. Eventually. Yeah. We're going to get like an angry email. I'm going to make that account and then I'm going to like take all these photos of, of Jeremy and like, like Photoshop them and stuff and I'm going to have an active like J-A-Y Edward Benson account. There's this guy. It's like, <laughs> I, keep, it. I keep getting all these email questions about a podcast and live animals, Garland Woods. What the fuck is going on here? I'm totally going to do that. And Jared, where can audience follow you, sir? You can find me on the uh, Twitter at Jared B. Callen and on Instagram at Check the Gate and soon to be J. Edward Benson, J-A-Y, Edward Benson. We're going to be closing out the show with a little bit of the amazing score from Mr. Bernard Herman. Uh, we're going to be playing track one, Prelude, and track 17, The Murder, because we need to hear those strings come down on Janet Lee. This is from the Psycho soundtrack. Enjoy.
Thank you.